At MECED in Charlotte, North Carolina, we help transform the lives of young people who face obstacles. We are proud to point to the success of not only our graduates, but so many others in our community. Join us as we unlock the secrets to their success. You are going to hear how young people navigated a system that was not designed for everyone to succeed. You are going to be moved and inspired by the stories of each of our guests. Classes in session. Here is your host, Ross Dennis. Hello, everyone. Let's Reinvent School is the program that focuses on what's positive, not only what's wrong with our schools. In this Let's Reinvent School second season, together with our guests, we're going to explore what it takes to overcome obstacles and succeed, not just in school, but in life. You know, everyone has a story. Everyone has a story about their experiences in school. Many had to overcome religious or racial prejudice or low expectations. Others were bullied because of their sexual orientation, their economic status, or they were assigned to classes that didn't lead to college. Yet, despite enormous challenges, they prevailed. Our guests this year will take us into their world to help us understand how they are manifesting their best lives. Today's episode, Building a Meaningful Life. As many of you know, experiences outside of school frequently shape our lives and help us determine the trajectory of our lives. School doesn't equal education. Buddha once said, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Our guest today has learned from and sought out many teachers, including and especially his parents. Let's listen. Let's hear his story as we process his journey and encourage you to reflect on how we can learn from each other in school and outside of school to build, as he has, a meaningful life. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Samir Hamid. Samir is a 30-year-old Palestinian born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's the son of Rose and Imad Hamid. His mother is a local legend an activist who taught him to stand for what he believes in no matter what. His father has worked all over the world and has instilled in his son the importance of hard work and persistence. He's a proud father of two children, a devoted husband to his wife, Chantal. He credits his children, as do I, with helping him realize how precious life is. Got his first job at 14. His second job at 15. At 17, he built and released an iPhone app. At 18, he bought a failing printing company and turned it into his current successful business, which offers, we'll learn about this in a minute, stress-free printing memberships for brands and businesses. His passion, his passion, helping people tell their story. Today, we tell his. Welcome, Samir. As is our usual practice, we're pleased to welcome back our clarifier, our synthesizer, a valued colleague and trusted friend, MECED COO, Shelly Bybee. Hi, Ross. Hi, Let's begin. Research tells us in many cases there was one person, maybe two, who could turn a life around and put someone on a path to success. Who was it in your life? Tell us about that person, Samir. Um, <clears throat> for me, it would probably be James Whitner. Uh, he was one of the, uh, he's, uh, a nationally renowned, really globally renowned uh, entrepreneur here in Charlotte. Um, he runs a uh, an entity called uh, the Whitaker Group, which is uh, they have um, I think over twenty retail stores at this point. You know, scattered around the South, uh, they sell sneakers and clothing. Um, and he was one of the places that I interned at when I was sixteen. 
actually. So he's actually, you know, in that space is where I fell in love with clothing, sneakers, and, you know, kind of got my spark. You were doing that at Panther Stadium, weren't you? So I had a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I worked when I was 14 at Chick-fil-A. So the owner of Chick-fil-A at that point, Art Turkhurst, uh, he was a great guy, a great mentor in my life. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, it was actually at his house that somebody mentioned the job opening at the Panthers. So at his house, like at a Chick-fil-A event, you know, I called up and they hired me on the spot. Um, they were looking for people uh, to be pantry runners. So, um, you know, really every a lot of the leaders that I've worked for have, have, you know, made a huge impact on my life. And every job I've worked for has set me up to, you know, for success. So, yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to East Mech. So I went to McClintock Middle School. I went to Lansdowne Elementary, uh, McClintock, and then East Mech. And you were working at 14, which means you were, what, in ninth grade? Yeah, I used to play football for East Mech. Uh, well, I was on the team. I didn't play much, but, um, you know, I uh, set up my schedule so that I was taking, you know, because you had to work, you had to work out after school. That was a requirement. But if you took weightlifting in school, you were able to skip the after school workouts. So, you know, I would take weightlifting fourth block and I would go shower, get in my work uniform and then have somebody drop me off at Chick-fil-A. So, yeah, at 14, I was working about 34 hours a week. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You know, funny story about football and me, you know, I played football one year in high school and the very first time I caught a ball, I ran in the wrong direction <laughs> and scored for the other team. Yeah, and I mom, tell her friends, you know, my son's an out of the box thinker, you know, he's very creative. <laughs> Anybody could have run that way, ran the other way. So, yeah. So football didn't work out for you in high school? No, there was a, you know, my coach, I, during summer workouts, uh, probably my, yeah, my, my freshman or junior or sophomore year. And, you know, the coach was like, Samir, you know, you're missing too many practices. I was working, you know, almost full time, especially during the summer. Like I was working full time. So he was like, Samir, you're, you're missing too many practices for work. You got to choose, you know, do you want to work? You want to work or do you want to play football? And I was like, I want to work. So <laughs> I quit. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, I ended up going back my senior year um, to play. Um, but yeah, I was just, I, I was very short. I was about four foot 11 when I went into high school. Yeah. So I was super, super tiny. Um, you know, up until my junior summer is actually when I, uh, grew about a foot. <laughs> so, wow. And, and your family, you, you, you mentioned your, your mom and dad and your, in your bio, uh, what role did they play in helping you navigate the school system in particular? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> my mother was, um, my mother was actually, you know, from what I remember in, you know, elementary school and all that, she was a junior achievement, uh, like coordinator. So she was, you know, big in Girl Scouts. She was big in, you know, uh, she was actually at one point, you know, our Boy Scout leader, <laughs> uh, you know, so she was just always involved. Uh, you know, she's been, uh, you know, community has been something that's massive to her. And um, so, yeah, she was she's been involved since junior achievement back in, you know, when my brother and sister were in elementary school. And I remember you know, having to go up there with her for that. So, uh, you know, they've always supported me. Um, you know, they held us accountable um, and let, but let, also let, gave us a sense of freedom and choice that we were able to, uh, you know, we always had a standard that we have to live up to. But like you said, they were always open to when we wanted to think outside of the box or uh, to do something a little different. They would always support. What, what does accountability look like? 
Um, accountability looks like, um, you know, uh, managing bills. <laughs> it looks like, uh, you know, somebody has to do dishes after dinner. Um, you know, you're just following the house rules. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, like I distinctly remember when I, you know, when I, I don't know how old I was, probably 16 or 17, you know, she split up all the bills onto index cards and said, y'all pick one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, at a very young age, we were, you know, held accountable for, you know, contributing and being a contribution. And, um, yeah. The three of you. Yeah, three. My, my, my brother and my sister. I got, I'm the baby. I got an older brother and an older sister. Hmm. Wow. That's remarkable, actually. And your dad was traveling quite a bit? Well, he worked, um, you know, he worked uh, overseas um, early on in his life. He went to school, uh, like, He's from he's from he's Palestinian, but he can't he grew up in Kuwait. Um, so he went to school, I think, in London um, and worked uh, for a company, I think, in Dubai for a little bit. Um, but then ended up, you know, through the majority of our life, he was actually uh, a, a pizza delivery man for like um, Papa John's and, and Pizza Hut and stuff. So he just loved to drive and he could smoke cigarettes on the job while he was driving. So he just loved that job. He did that for a while. That's fantastic. Yeah. And. You know, if if I had known about the dividing the bills up, both Shelly and I would have jumped at that with our kids. Like, you know, you take the phone bill. Right. Yeah. So I was, you know, we were lucky if we could get our kids to take the garbage out. Mm. So, um, so you got an education, not just in school, but outside of school. I mean, in, in terms of your jobs, it seems like you learned as much about business there uh, as, as anything you learned in school. hundred percent, you know, it's not more, you know, like working, you know, school to me was big about, you know, taught me everything about social interactions, you know, and, uh, but I couldn't pinpoint anything in particular that I, you know, any sort, you know, like tidbit of knowledge that I can pull from and say, oh yeah, I learned that, you know, obviously, you know, I've been taught so much, but, you know, many of my life, life lessons came from the people in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, work showed me, you know, I tell people all the time that like, I wouldn't, you know, my business is nothing more than a sum of all the places I've worked for. I know how to sweep and clean a kitchen, you know what I mean? And squeegee down a kitchen. Cause Chick-fil-A taught me how to, you know, I don't, I'm not just really good at sweeping. I don't have this genetic, you know, inclination to be a good sweeper. I just right. learned, <laughs> learned how to sweep and, and mop and scrub and squeegee and, you know, same thing with the Panthers. Like, you know, I, I trained there for a really long time, almost seven years. And, um, you know, they uh, they trained me up. They literally trained me to be a facilitator. So I had to go through really rigorous training to be able to facilitate the entire stadium staff, <laughs> food and beverage staff at one point. You know, over 750 employees were my responsibility for training wow. all operation and uh, service standards. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, you're not going to learn that in school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any teachers stand out in your mind? Do any teachers stand out in my life? Man, I wish more did. Mm. Um, you know, I had, dang, I can't remember his name. I think that says it all right there. Right. Um, I can't, you know. Yeah. None of them really st- stood out heavily. I honestly wasn't a, an ideal student in school. <laughs> Uh, you know, thinking outside the box wasn't always appreciated, uh, especially uh-huh. jumping outside of the box wasn't really appreciated as much too. So, uh, you know, I, I had a, 
you know, as, as you saw, my username on here was shut up Samir before I changed it to my first and last name. So, you know, I have an inclination to talk that my daughter has also inherited as well. So, you know, talking, joking, you know, cracking jokes, being witty at the wrong times. Uh, you know, a lot of that isn't really appreciated in school. Um, and then, and then homework, you know, I had a, 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 a tricky time focusing on homework outside because I was doing so much uh, extracurricular stuff. Um, but showing up, like, I, you know, I tend to have per perfect attendance, like I would c contribute and participate in class. But um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've told this story before on this program, and Shelly's heard it several times. But uh, I got in trouble for talking too much in seventh grade. And I was given a thousand word composition to write about why I should not talk so much. I didn't do it. Oh my God. And uh, when the teacher asked for it, I quickly drew a stick figure on a piece of paper with an X over its mouth and I handed it to him. And he goes, what's this? I said, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> and, and, uh, I got away with it. He, he, he sort of oh. smiled. He actually smiled. He goes, all right, sit down. But that's, that's the out of the box stuff you're talking about. Right. Exactly. How about things like prom and did you date in high school? Did you, Nah, you know, luckily, luckily enough, you know, I grew up in a Muslim household. So, you know, we're Muslim American, uh, you know, I was born here, but, you know, my mother and, and father had strong religious beliefs and, you know, dating and, and a lot of things that are tend, you know, that are like default American culture just aren't, you know, in Arab culture like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just wasn't, you know, many things, you know, my religion really helped me through many things to just stay on track through high school, through college, you know. If anybody ever wanted me to smoke with them, I would just say it's against my religion. You know, mm -hmm. when people wanted me to drink, I'd just say it's against my religion. And people mm -hmm. leave you alone. You know, when you say that, when it's like, no, I don't want to, they like do it. But it's like it's against my religion. People would be like, oh, okay, respect. You know, and it, it was to the point where people around me were my, were, you know, even non-Muslim people, you know, would would you know, hey Samir, you want it? It's like no, he doesn't smoke. You know, it became a, a part of my a, a part of my That's identity. Really cool. Yeah, so it, was, it, it helped me a lot through there and. Same thing with the dating and stuff like, you know, obviously kids are kids, you know, I, I tried to get away with what I could, but it just wasn't natural for me to want even that boyfriend, girlfriend. Like, I just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. so, uh, did you uh, experience any prejudice in school as a result of your, you know, I'm, I'm white passing. So, you know, I'm, I got white skin, blue eyes, um, you know, all of the social constructs that, you know, provide me with, uh, you know, lack of prejudice exists for me. Um, but my name, obviously when people heard my name, they would say, you know, what's up, but you know, I grew up in a very, you know, I grew up in the beginning days of the internet. So, you know, right. I grew up with the internet, like all the stuff that people, you know, complain about now, you know, there was a whole page in our high school where people would just put you next to people and get it in like just a comparative page. Like, you know, that's all the rave nowadays. Like, Oh, this guy looks like this, that we had a Facebook group like that in the ninth grade that was like, Oh, Samir looks like Waluigi or Samir looks like, you know, uh, the guy from Lord, of, you know, uh, the guy from Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, there was, you know, plenty of, plenty of distasteful jokes that went around, but no, nothing, yeah. you know, that was kind of the culture back then. It was just like, this is pre, know. this is pre nine 11, uh, nine 11, you know, my mother's a flight attendant. So, I remember 9-11 when I was very, very young, but she she wears a headscarf. So the reason my mother is like, and you know, why I refer to her as a legend is because she was the first Muslim woman for U.S. Airways to uh, wear the headscarf. She actually 
took them to court uh, because she got in a bad car accident, had to sit out, a, sit, had to sit out of work for a while. And what, what, during that time, she, she found her religion. And by the time she went back to work, she was wearing a headscarf and American or U.S. Airways at the time said it's not part of the uniform. You can't wear it. So, you know, my mom, like I said, she doesn't she doesn't take no for an answer. So uh, she took him to court, uh, not for any money, just for the right to do it, right to wear her scarf, right to have her job, right to get paid. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. so now she's the reason why the uniform standards changed. That's a beautiful story. It's beautiful. Yeah, I said taught you to stand up for what you believe in, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Now I understand what yeah. you meant. Man, alive. And college, we're going to talk about college in a little bit. Was that ever an option for you? Yeah, I went to UNCC. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I went uh, for what, three three and some change. Um, you know, I, I started my business, you know, my first, the iPhone app that we started, I actually started in the back of my internship. You know, it was like in the back of the store. I met the guy who built it for me in at my internship. You know, wow. all those things were connected. Um, you know, built that out for UNCC in, in my first year at the school. Um, just because I didn't want to be a freshman, like walking around with a map, like looking mm-hmm. like a dork. So, you know, I, I took a picture of it and was looking at it on my phone. And then I realized like, oh, I could do this. So me and my brother ended up building the app for the school to be oh. able to there, um, to be able to have a digital map where I could upload my schedule and it would tell me the fastest way to classes. So, um, you know, I, I, that was, you know, that was my first entrepreneurial journey in my freshman year of college. So, and then the printing company came short after and put a uh, pin in it right there, because I want to talk about the printing company. I want you to be able to plug your printing company. when we come back, we're going to take a break. Uh, sure. During the break, we're going to learn a, a little bit more about MechEd, what we do. And uh, you might be interested in finding us on the web at www.meched.org. There's even a little donate button there if you're so inclined. But we'll um, we'll have more with Samir and his fascinating story. We'll be joined in this next segment with Shelly. Shelly jumping in as our clarifier, our synthesizer. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the other side. So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding, University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. Before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. It's goal to make sure that every every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school. That school isn't enough. That to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MedCAD, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I think I think I do think MedCAD is invested in me. Um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so, make it means opportunity. Family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with 
underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections, and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would, would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know. Having someone to talk to and a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. MECED's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. And we want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places and different ways. With after school, you're, you're hitting on academics, you're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like, you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and Mac Ed, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MECED opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MECED does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system, and we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're going to go back and speak a little bit more with Samir, Samir, excuse me, and his journey. But I want to point out one thing. We talk about reinventing public education. We, we say that on purpose instead of saying reinvent public school, because we know that you can get an education anywhere. You can go to school and not be educated. You can be educated and not go to school. Yeah. And our guest today has done a remarkable job of educating himself in, in many different ways outside of school. And right before the break, we were talking about the creation of an, an iPhone app in college. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, um, man, was I 18 even? I think I was just turning 18 or just had turned 18. Um, but yeah, we, uh, this was iPhone two. So, uh, we launched the iPhone app to help kids get to school or get to their classes quicker. Um, and launched it on the Apple market. I think we sold like 130 copies for 99 cents. <laughs> wow. 
I yeah. wouldn't even know how to go about how would you even do something like that? I wouldn't know where to begin. We hired some, uh, you know, again, like just talking about the power of the universe, how the network works, who you know, how you know them. Uh, you know, again, one of my mentors who was at the place, the sneaker store that I was interning at at 16, introduced me to a guy named Pat, who, you know, became a, a lifelong friend after that. Um, and he was developing apps at the time. So we met in the back of the store one day, told him the plan. He hired some developers in India and we got to work. That's a remarkable story. Yep. Uh, you're the first person I've ever met who developed an, uh, an iPhone app. On iPhone 2, what are we up to, 12 or 13 now? Yeah, 14, I think. 14, jeez, my goodness. Tell us a little bit about your kids. You you met your wife, your now wife, in college? Yeah, we met in college. Um, man, we dated for a little while. You know, it was always this, uh, uh, like, it wasn't traditional dating at all. You know what I mean? It's like we we uh we're with each other for a while and then um when did we get married we got married in 2017 so you know we uh yeah we were together for a while just as someone who's been married a very long time i would encourage you to to make sure you know what date you got married <laughs> it's actually on my birthday january 18th so i made sure to uh, pin that one to the calendar smart man <laughs> so so you married and when you say not traditional is it because you're both muslim americans well, I was Muslim and she wasn't, uh, so it was a little bit, yeah, uh, you know, but she ended up, while we were dating, she, you know, found love in the religion and converted, um, and, you know, so by the time we got married, yeah, it was it, we were two Muslim Americans, but uh, just, you know, again, it's very traditional, there's traditional rules that you, I guess, go through as you're dating in America that we just didn't go through, like. Give me, um, give me an example. And our like, audience not, not meeting my mom for like five years <laughs> yeah my mom not knowing that she you know that i had anybody in my life <laughs> how is that even possible man just, she was uh, just lying, lying yeah. you were you know you know just deceitful yeah just like uh, you know but it was uh you know i didn't have to like because again, like it was my excuse for my girlfriend and it was my excuse for my mom. I was like, look, I don't, I'm not doing all that traditional stuff. Like I'll see you when we see you. And then it was, um, and yeah, I just worked a lot. <laughs> and you, and so you're married in 2017 and you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I'm going to have more, you open, open to having more children. Yep, you have to ask her. Okay. <laughs> Do that another time. In the meantime, are you raising your children the same way you were raised? You know, yeah, like the the biggest thing for me was to have, uh, you know, there's that borderline, as you guys know, as parents of like, you know, trying to instill your values too much and then more so letting them choose. Like, you know, my parents always let us choose what we wanted to do. I don't, I don't remember being forced to do anything, uh, um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the similar in a similar way, like. You know, my kids already have their own per personalities and I, I want them to be able to flourish in that. And um, yeah, I mean, like I, I was spoiled with nothing but love my entire life. Like, I don't know what it's like to not have it, you know, so uh, we didn't get a lot of things. We didn't buy, you know, it's too much. You know, we, we didn't grow up in a crazy rich household or anything like that. Um, but we just, you know, had dinner every night and, you know, was able to um you know, obviously I was able to find the blind spots where I could do what I needed to do, but it was, you know, it was a love, it was, it was a lot of love. So, uh, you know, there was a Harvard study that was published several years ago that had tracked men for 35 years. They, they 
started in college and the same group of men were then tracked into their seventies and they would go back and find out, you know, what made you successful? What were the things about you that, that uh, you think contributed to your success? And what they found was that every single one of these men in their seventies who were successful point to the fact that they were adored as children. Oh, wow. Not just loved, adored. Yeah. Uh, like, Like it sounds like you were. Yeah, 100%. Love you to death. Mm-hmm. And a lot of successful people say that. The famous musician Duke Ellington, you know, said that his feet never touched the ground until he was two. Because <laughs> they were being held by so many different people. Interestingly enough, the number one factor in the demise of this same group of men, alcohol. Mm. So, um, I don't know what that means, but let's just focus on the adored part, right? Right. Well, it's against my religion to drink, so. Oh, there you go. Well, that money you save. <laughs> exactly. So so in your case, you know, not going to college. Well, you did go to college. But you didn't graduate. Correct, yeah. What, what um, motivated you to leave school? Well, you know, my mother, uh, again, there was a, it was a point where, you know, I had been blessed with, like, scholarships and grants to the point where, like, my cost was, you know, relatively low. But going into my junior year, it was my responsibility to pay for college. Um, so, uh, you know, it was essentially my choice. And, you know, my mother would always tell me, like, especially when I graduated high school, went into college, and I barely graduated high school, but, you know, got into college. And, um, you know, she was like, this isn't high school. Like, you can't just, this isn't about getting out. This is about learning. You know, like, high school is just about getting out. And college is about really learning and taking something that you want to do. So, um, you know, when I uh, those moments where like because I, I, I got the printing company, me and my friends from that same internship, me and a group of friends started a store or started a clothing brand together. Um, and, you know, we were printing shirts and stuff. And then the company ended up, uh, you know, selling me the company while I was in college. And that business ended up taking over a lot of my time to the sure. point where I was, I told myself I would do both, but it got to the point where I was really neglecting college for work and, you know, answering emails in class, leaving, not showing up, cheating on tests, like just doing a lot of things. And, you know, I talked to about my mom and she was just like, you know, are you learning? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, then, you know, stop wasting your time. Right. You know, what you're doing is, is counterproductive. There's no point in just like continuing to struggle through to just graduate. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I stopped. You were going to school, just not in school. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you, you were 18? <clears throat> yeah. 18. 18, 19, you start your own company? Yeah. Wow. So tell us about that. I mean, how? where is it today? I mean, how, how have you grown? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, at the time, you know, we, uh, I mean, just in general, like I was working, I remember working at the, Panthers doing this, you know, doing this massive job for the for the luxury suites. Like it was me and one kid. I'm talking about the scrawniest little kid who we moved the entire beverage pantry for the entire stadium from the third floor to the fourth floor. Couldn't, you couldn't carry, uh, you couldn't use forklifts on the carpet in the luxury suites. So we had to take it to the elevator, put it on a cart, pull the cart half. You know, and it was just like you know, it took us weeks, just us two, to do that for the whole stadium. So you know, we should spend our night, you know, days there working long. And, you know, I got the call from the lady that, you know, she would be willing to sell it. You know, she was going to be willing to sell it for 10 grand. I had about like seven grand saved up. You know, I called my dad, asked him if I could borrow a couple thousand. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, uh, you know, asked me if it was a good, good thing. And I told him from what I thought of it. Yeah. So, you know, he invested that into me, made him pay, made me pay him back double. Um, so, <laughs> no, serious? No, no, serious. no. Yeah. He loaned me $5,000 because I ended up needing a little bit more. So he loaned me, loaned me 5,000. I paid him back 10. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, I mean, since then we were like in a hundred square foot office right now, we just actually bought a building. Um, so we, uh, are in like a 2,600 square foot building that we now own. Wow. Have any space perhaps to house a nonprofit? Say it again. You know, we're looking for space. Yeah, this whole building actually. The, the there's definitely some space in here. Yeah, we'll talk offline about that. <laughs> so, so you buy the company for ten grand with your in partnership with this other guy that you're working at Panther Stadium with, or just on your own? I was on my own. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know, I just remember that call. I, I just remember getting that call on the clock, and like just like while I was talking to my dad, like still trying to work and stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And and today, mm-hmm. it's thriving. Yeah. Um, you know, we're the largest direct garment printer in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, we're one of the only people who specializes in that was back in 2011. I bought a piece of equipment that now is all the rave. But back then, this was like the iPhone one. You know what I mean? Like it was like the most basic version of what we have, uh, you know, and then over the years, they've released many, many iterations. But we became experts very quickly because that's what we did. Um at the time and you know so now the whole industry is kind of like matching up to where we've been for a while so it's really fun um it's difficult obviously and you know having to go through covid and all this stuff that we're dealing with uh is is a lot but yeah we've we've uh we've been doing pretty well and and you do branding not just t-shirts i mean when you say t-shirts people think oh they just put logos on t-shirts well yeah we can we've you know We've been at the top of our industry for a while. Um, this is about our 10th, what, 11th year doing business. So we've been doing this for a while and are one of the only people who only do that type of printing. So we were specialists. People find us, you know, from top to bottom, any size company would find us to do what they needed to do. Um, but that kind of got boring. We turned into a commodity. You know what I mean? We're like, we're just trying to get cheaper. Like, you know, everybody's trying to cut, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling for us. And we started as a clothing brand and so much of my knowledge is on how to scale a clothing brand, a story, you know, from zero to thousands of orders. So, um, you know, we, we built a, we built an organization now that we have the first in the industry, uh, printing pass, um, and like printing membership. So, you know, for instance, print it's 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 a it's really a printing and branding membership so what we noticed is that like you as mech ed for instance or let's say greg jackson right at uh at, at heel charlotte he's one of our members so you know the pro the program that i'm coming in and helping with these kids is a part of his membership so you know they this is this is our effort to go beyond the printing you know i can't wait for greg to come to me and say hey samir these kids design these shirts and i need them printed that's where most people sit. But now we've said, you know what, if you if you're if you're willing to get a membership and essentially take these printing credits, prepay us for the printing, we'll come and figure out with you the best way to get these printings done. You know, whether it be merchandise, marketing, uniform, whatever the organization or company that we print for needs, we like to get involved before the printing happens so that they can be as efficient as possible during the printing. That's brilliant. Yeah, That's pretty dope. Yeah. And how many people are working with you now? Right now we have about seven employees. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk offline about what that membership involves and what it costs. Yeah, for sure. For 
for sure. Do you have a, a website or some place that our listeners can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can go to, uh, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at, at Family Matters, and that's F4M-I-L-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Uh, so the four in family instead of an A. Um, and then that same thing, familymatters.com. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so any advice here in their last couple of minutes of this segment that you would give to young people trying to find their way in the world? Um, get a job. <laughs> and, you know, in that job, um, just ask for more. Always ask for more. Like just ask for more money, ask for more work, ask for promotions. I asked for a promotion every year at the Panther Stadium. They gave me one every year. I got promoted seven years straight. Wow. Just because I asked, you know, where's the work? Where's where's more stuff to do? So I heard that saying that if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. <laughs> well, you got to ask, man. Uh, exactly. My grandfather used to tell me all the time, you know, never turn down overtime. Never yeah, say. Okay. So, you know, you a shift in a factory for eight hours and I'd say, can you work another shift? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Something about hard work. Uh, and your kids. You, do you expect them to work just as hard as you, or are you one of those parents that say, you know, I made it, I'm going to make it easy for my kids now? I mean, you know, it's it's like nature versus nurture. Like my sister is very, you know, she's not as uh, work inclined as I am, you know, per se, but, um, you know, she knows the value of a job. My kids will definitely understand the value of a job. They'll both be getting a job at Chick-fil-A when they turn 14. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, we still and say my, my pleasure. Yep, exactly. And I mean, they just instill that hard work. When I worked there, the minimum wage was six fifteen, so they're still doing the same level of work that I was doing back then. But yeah, I mean, it just instilled hard work, and then from there, just you know, continue to get get what you want, see what build the world that you want to see. So, and we're gonna have one more commercial break. We're gonna learn a little bit more about MechEd and how experiences matter in everyone's lives. When we come back. Shelly Vibe's gonna jump in, help us. Distill some generalizations, some themes, and we'll make some recommendations before the end of our program. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back with our guest and with Shelly in a couple minutes. Hang in there. MechEd's been around since 1991. We're here to serve young people in Mecklenburg County, and we're here uh, to make sure that they have the experiences, the knowledge, the skills that they are going to need to thrive in life. Young people spend only 20% of their time in school. 80% of their life is spent outside of school. We want to make sure that we recognize that education doesn't just equal school. We learn in all different kinds of places and different ways. With after school, you're you're hitting on academics. You're hitting on the things that they might not have during regular school. So like you have visual art, dance, theater, coding. They still get to do with their friends at school, with people who are just like them. Some of them don't even know they could dance. They didn't know, some of them don't know that they can draw. Um, so we try to bring those things out of them that they don't even know that they're capable of. But we've really enjoyed the support and appreciated the support from Charlotte Next and Mac Ed, not just in um, financial assistance, but also just giving us assistance and support along the way to get the programs up and running. Not every student has the opportunity to experience and, and participate in in-school or out-of-school activities. They have so many demands on themselves. And MechEd opens that door to those students. Every student is different. And what MechEd does a fabulous job of is meeting that student where they are.
So MECED is a college and career readiness uh, institution that is very committed to workforce development, has been for quite some time, with a special emphasis on making sure that the kids who face obstacles in our community have a fair shot at a bright future. Right now we're working with young people from uh, Garinger, from Harding, University High, West Charlotte, and Chambers High School. But before the pandemic, they were all on the bottom fifth of the economic ladder. These days, they, it's hard for them to even find that ladder. Then we provide job shadows, uh, paid internships. We'll put, pay for career clothing, transportation, food, certification programs. The goal is to make sure that every, every young person in Mecklenburg County has an opportunity to, to live a life where they can thrive, both in school and out of school. And we believe that that doesn't happen just by being in school, that school isn't enough, that to be educated requires much more than school. Experiences matter. My experiences with MECED, uh, they put me in an internship at the hospital for two years. I, think, I, th I do think MECED is invested in me um, living my dream. They want the best for each and every one of their students. And it's like they won't go down without a fight. <laughs> so MECED means opportunity, family, friendship. I am a healthcare tech at Atrium Health University in the Maternity Center. Uh, career Pathways, we work with underserved high school students. We put them in internships at 135 different businesses and industries around Mecklenburg County. It's, it's a powerful economic mobility machine. The experience with Career Pathways, it made me more determined. That's how I got my job at Atrium, because I volunteered for four years at the hospital. So it made me get connections, and, and they said, I'll, I'll give you a call. With um, the students that we've had, the preparation that they had through Career Pathways was just exceptional. Honestly, I don't know what I would would, would do without Career Pathways. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, it's not, I don't know, having someone to talk to, a shoulder to cry on, you know, different family. Welcome back from recess to Let's Reinvent School with Ross Dennis. Got your thinking cap on today? We're going to teach you how to reinvent the public education system. And we want to hear from you. Feel free to call in to ask a question or to tell us your story. Call in to 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Ross Dennis. Yes, welcome back, everyone. What an interesting conversation we're having with Samir. Hamid, and and he he said earlier in the program that his success is a result of all of the experiences he's had in his life. And Shelley, join us, please, in this conversation. Let's. You had a couple of questions on the break that I think are worth talking to Samir about. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for having me on. Um, I love listening to just the individual stories that we get to highlight. Um, so yeah, as you were talking, Samir, you know, one of the things that when we start talking about um, moving from your childhood and experiences into you being a parent now, you know, I'm curious when we talk about the education system, um, what are your hopes for your two and four year old? What do you what do you hope their educational system looks like when they're um, you know starting elementary school and moving through the system? <clears throat> um, you know, 
I, I really want their education system to be uh, equitable. You know, I, I don't want there to have to be, you know, for us to have to make housing choices based off of where the best school, you know, my wife's like, I want to move to Waxhaw. I'm like, no, I want my kids to go to East Mech, you know, like, I, and, you know, because it's not just about that, that, that paper level of education, you know, it's about the experiences, about the area that it can provide you. Um, you know, so to me, I just, I, I want them to be able to choose a, a place that feels like home to them so that they can be safe. Um, and then, you know, even looking at COVID, like so much of the whole world was on remote learning, you know, hopefully that that can set an example to to be like, you know, there's no reason that there should be a shortage of, you know, stellar teachers. If we got to port them in via Zoom, you know what I mean? Then let's do it. Like, you know, that, that. so I, I really want them to get that, um, to have that safe, safe space to where they could learn and learn at the highest level. Yeah, I think we talk a lot at, at MECED about, you know, the the changes that COVID brought to education. And while, you know, some of them obviously weren't um, weren't necessarily positive, we think that there are a lot of opportunities. And I'm sure somebody like you who's into technology, you can kind of see um, what those opportunities may be. We talk a lot about AP classes that aren't offered at some schools now being able to be offered because we know how to do this virtually now. So, yeah, that is that is a hopeful thought. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, and so your your background too, in all the work that you were doing, I completely relate to. I've worked since I was thirteen, and and I feel like some of my best education came from the people that I encountered and the jobs that I worked. Um, so, a lot of times, I think what we encounter with our students, parents not necessarily understanding. Um, how to advise their students on being entrepreneurs because, right, entrepreneurship equates to a lot of risk-taking. Um, and I think a lot of us are very risk-adverse, especially when it comes to our children. Um, so I'm curious too, do you have just how your parents handled your passions and what, you know, lit you on fire? Um, anything that you can say to our listening audience that if they have a child who is really showing interest in doing their own thing, thinking outside the box, how can we nurture that when it may go against our kind of internal um, adversion to risk, but you know, what, what, what can you say to those adults to help them maybe be more at peace with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's any peace in entrepreneurship, but, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in general, I think that uh, especially in this day and age, you've got, a, I call them like meme um, on meme entrepreneurs, you know what I mean? Like people can get on and just say, do this and do that. And, you know, don't work for somebody else. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's 90, you know, I actually asked my mother, I was like, when you were like, when you were my age, did everybody think they were going to be rich? And she was like, absolutely not. Like, you know, people, yeah. when I grew up, nobody thought they would be rich. Everybody thought they would just have a good house, you know, this, that, and third. And I was like, well, you know, my, anybody in my, if you ask them, they think they're just going to be rich, you know, like that this is, this is the type of path. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, it's, it's always tough, obviously telling a kid no, or like trying to be, you know, realistic for your child. Um, you know, my, my parents always contributed their two cents. I remember I moved into a building that didn't have AC or a bathroom, and, you know, my mom was like, are you sure it doesn't have AC? And I was like, ah. and I remember saying, I was like, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And then, <laughs> it was like one summer day we were at the dinner table and I, I wouldn't complain because like, <laughs> then they would be right. And I was just sitting at the table. I was like, it is so hot in there. Like, yep, I, yep. I get over it. And she was like, 
you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Letting me make the mistake. She would always give my two, give their two cents. They would always help and contribute, but uh, they would let me make my mistakes. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, in, in the, in the path of entrepreneurship, there's, there's a lot of moments where, uh, you'll, you'll have to be real with yourself about, are you, are you ready and, or able to, to take, to do what it takes, you know, to like, there's a wall where a lot of people quit. And, you know, my goal with anybody that I'm helping or supporting or anybody in my team is like, I want you to hit that wall as quickly as possible. Yeah, I want right. you to realize you're not built for it. If you're not built for it, you know, yeah. there's gonna be things that, you know, and, and if you're just, if you're jumping around potentially doing it and, you know, being scared to do it, then, you know, you'll never hit that wall. So I think that enabling the children to do it and then giving them, you know, the room to fail, like failure has taught me everything in my life. You know, I've, I've failed so many times and, um, you know, so letting, let, let your kids fail, you know, let yeah. your kids fail at their, at their venture and, and, and see what works and, you know, go like my jobs, the reason I succeeded at them or felt like I was a good entrepreneur, entrepreneur was because I would always t- treat my job like it was my company. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you go and work somewhere and you act like it's yours then you'll see what it takes to lead a company. You'll, you'll start to have that mindset. Do I want to do that? My mom has always told me, I never want, my mom said, I never want to be the person with the keys. I don't, I don't, I don't want the responsibility of having to open and close and just be that person. She's always had that, you know, but it didn't stop her from essentially, you know, supporting me and, and, and wanting to be a key holder. Uh, you know, so I think that allowing them to fail and then, you know, uh, presencing them to, the fact that the the job they're doing, the the project they're working on, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So, you know, you go and work and, and you're you're slacking off and you're being, you know, lazy and you're finding loopholes and you're riding the clock, you know, like what, what do you think you're gonna get into your own building and, and those habits will just magically disappear? Mm. Like those habits are gonna retain, you know what I mean? And and how you work on the clock for them is how you're gonna work on the clock for yourself. So um and then oh, yeah. start small, you know, selling candy. Like I remember selling popcorn as a Boy Scout. You know, we sold like I, I mowed lawns. I, I rode my lawnmower around the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many low entry ways that they can get a taste for it and see, you know, what's 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 for them and what's not. You know, it is remarkable. I don't know if it's shocking or we should be disturbed by, it, but every time we go around the room and talk to young people and ask them what they want to do with their lives, you know, we hear, as you know. I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I want to be an influencer. Mm. Like influencer. What yeah. do you, you have like to influence? Career people? title now. Right. When did that become a career? Yeah. Uh, I want to make beats. We heard yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's all good. It's just, you want to say, well, what's the path to that? Right. Right. Where's the money? You know, <laughs> like, that's, that's the thing. You know, there's a big difference between passion and, you know, and, and work. And it's like passion won't carry you. Passion will not carry you through, you know, wanting to do it will not carry you through being really good at it. Won't carry you through like it, it's, it, it is literally boils down to buy low, sell high. You know, if the, if the, if the model that you're building, whether it be creative or not, you know, I told you about our business model. It's super innovative. You're like, that's brilliant. But you know, the market determines what's brilliant. You know what I mean? The market determines what's brilliant. I could have the craziest idea in the world, but if the market doesn't deem it, you know, good, then it's not, you know, and, and, um, you know, I think that another big, you know, one of my big, biggest advice for, you know, parents in general would probably be let your kids quit. You know, a lot of parents will will be like, oh, you got to see this through. You got to see this through. But, you know, 
I'm big on quitting, you know, like I think that like if you don't want to do something anymore, stop doing it, you know, and change your commitments. If you committed to something, you can change it, you know, like you can decide differently. We we have human nature to be able to change our mind, change your mind as much as you can, you know, because it's the only thing in the world that could change at the, at the drop of a dime and nothing else in the world could change other than your mind instantly. So, you know, let kids change their mind, let them, you know, let them let them be crazy. Let them sell candy. So if you didn't sell candy, you know what I mean? If you didn't mow lawns, like these are your one oh ones of entrepreneurship. Like go out there, yeah. you know, stand right. around and, and, and try and sell something. So yeah. not just work, it's hard work. Exactly. I'd be willing to do the hard work, put the time in. Mm-hmm. You should be a teacher, brother. <laughs> you should be out there at, at the college level or working with well, you are working with young kids in our program over at uh, MLK Middle School with Greg Jackson. Yep. Helping them middle school kids brand do a brand about uh stop the violence i think is the theme yep yep they came up with about i think we were working on about six six designs for them that they came up with so they're gonna um we're hopefully in the next three weeks launch that so that they can uh, raise money for their college and just roblox all those things that they said they wanted to buy yeah yeah well shelly any other takeaways um yeah, I mean, I just, again, truly appreciate you sharing all of your your experiences. But I think, you know, again, the theme that runs constant is the exposures that people need. Um, you know, I do love what you said about recognizing you can change your mind. And we do change. We ask 18-year-olds to pick their life goals and a path. And how many of us have stuck to that? Um so life is about changing and exploring and growing, and we need to nurture that more in our children. So I appreciate all your insight. I appreciate you. you. Know, might uh, might be shocked to hear this, but I was at, uh, I was shoveled concrete for quite some time out, out of high school. Um, I used to say that I was a mason, but that's just a lie. I wasn't a mason. I was shoveling concrete for masons. There was, a, there was one hot summer day. I'm shoveling it and shoveling it. I thought to myself, I, I think my guidance counselor might have made a mistake. <laughs> I, I think I could probably go to go to school. I would like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. I changed my mind, and it changed the trajectory of my entire life. Yeah, that day. So it happens. So we're we're coming in on the close of this episode. It's been fascinating to talk to you, and uh, I want to go back down and tell my kids they got to work harder. And, and uh, we all, often told our daughter to she should only date men that have three keys, one to a car, one to a house, and one to their business. Interesting. Okay. At least three keys. Yeah. So um, I'll have to relay that to her later. Again, best of luck to you and your family. These sound like a wonderful, uh, wonderful, lovely family. And uh, with kids who are going to be raised, to learn how the meaning of work, right? Sure. And I hope you find a hobby, for God's sake. So you need to do something other than just work, man. You know, get a... Like Shelly said, do some ballroom dancing or yeah. find, find something to do that takes your mind off of off of the work and just let yourself relax a little bit. 100%. Yeah, I'm going to take you guys up on that. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to see see what you choose. I'm still working on it my, on myself. I keep thinking it's music because I love to play piano. Yeah. But, you know, weeks will go by and I just don't ever touch it. Right. So. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Samir, and uh, all the best to your family. And uh, Shelly, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Always great insights. Thank you all for listening. And remember that you can download 
this episode anywhere you get your podcasts. So this will be available tonight uh, and then in perpetuity at uh, Let's Reinvent School. So you have to tell Alexis or, you know, whatever you whatever you type into your into your phone or your, to your tablet. That's it. Join us next Thursday uh, for another exciting episode. And uh, every Thursday between 11 and 12. And, of course, on the web at Let's Reinvent School. Don't forget MechEd.org as your place to go. See you later. Thank you for listening to Let's Reinvent School. Tune in next week as we provide more great insight into the state of the public education system. Until next week, class dismissed.